pray with me. Holy One, you invite us to journey with you during this time of waiting, waiting for someone special. Today we are reminded that we need peace in our lives. Here in our own homes and community, we pray for those who are struggling to find peace of heart. We pray for those experiencing violence of all kinds, emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical. For all those around the world who are struggling to live because of conflict, war, and poverty. For our planet, all the ecosystems, creatures, and the climate, which is immensely harmed by our actions harm. Create in us awareness, compassion, and courage to act. Help us to unlearn ways of violence. Form us in your ways and make us channels of your peace. Amen. In the spring of my freshman year of college, which was <clears throat> a few years ago, the Glee Club went on tour. I had never experienced anything quite like it. We traveled by bus to Washington, D.C. for our first concert, then the rest of our tour was by train to Cleveland, Cincinnati, Memphis, and then on to Little Rock, our western terminus. Our conductor, J. Bailey Harvey, affectionately known as Oates, for reasons I can't remember, was a hail fellow well met. He was a big man with a booming baritone, an English professor at City College, by occupation and an amateur conductor driven by his love of the male chorus tradition and memories of his own bright college days singing in the Columbia Glee Club. He always insisted that we sing like men, not boys. And we did our best to comply with eager desire to fulfill his hopes for us and to sound grown up, even though I was still, I mean, 18 at the time, but Oates was sometimes impulsive and not always to the best end. I'll save those stories for later. While in Little Rock, we sang a concert at the Arkansas School for the Blind. At the end of our concert, Oates was suddenly struck with the inspiration to add a song that at least half of the chorus did not know and had never heard before. The song was an old spiritual, Walking in the Light. I don't know what inspired him to add that song to a concert for blind children and youth. It seemed awkward in the moment, and not just because of its unfamiliarity. When he saw the alarm on some of our faces, he probably whispered, one of his favorite choral instructions, just make up some nice words and music and sing along. And so we began to file out of the auditorium to the strains of walking in the light, following the lead of the singers who did know it. And it didn't take long to pick up the simple tune and the words, we are walking in the light, we are walking in the light, children. 
we are walking in the light of God. To our surprise, the whole gathering broke into clapping and smiling and singing along. It was a stroke of programming genius. More than a few tears were shed before we made it to the doors in the back of the auditorium. This was surely one time when we needed to trust the man in charge and believe that he knew what he was doing. Well, reflecting on that experience from more than 50 years ago, I wonder what it might mean for a blind child to sing about walking in the light. I don't want to sentimentalize the experience, but clearly on that day, that simple spiritual spoke to them, singing its truth somewhere deep within there was definitely something enlightening for those of us who shared the warmth of the smiles, the rhythm of the clapping, and the joy in the voices in that room. We are walking in the light of God. We are walking in the light of God, children. What did that mean for them? And what does it mean for us today? Those children were not suddenly sighted because, just because we sang that song and affirmed that truth. There are still dark clouds and rainy days now and then, even here in Southern California, though not nearly enough. Recently, we've, we have seen times when the political prospects for our country seemed so dim, not very hopeful at all. And then with COVID and RSV and flu, people are ill and dying. Bombs fall, triggers are pulled, blood flows in the streets. Homes, schools, hospitals, whole villages are destroyed. Folk flee for their survival, ending up in overcrowded, underserved camps or hiding from the terror wherever they can find a place. Native peoples, remember, have been sprayed with hoses in freezing weather because they wanted to protect land that was sacred to them. Fierce winds blow, the earth shakes, creation groans in labor with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. There is a lot of darkness that is neither beautiful nor embraceable on the face of this earth. And then Isaiah. Isaiah has the audacity to say to us from the midst of all that threatens and troubles, O people of God, come let us walk in the light of the Holy One. A few chapters later, in fact, he proclaims the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. And the writer of John's gospel tells us that the light shines in the darkness, in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. You see, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world, he proclaims. What can all this talk of light mean to a blind child, to a frightened youth, to a terrified parent, to a refugee family, to a soldier, to a leader, to you and me, 
living here with our own challenges and worries. Walk in the light, children. Walk in the light of God. That's easy to say. At the same time, to quote another spiritual, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. On this first Sunday of Advent, when tradition invites us to focus on hope, I'm wondering if there is a way we can look at light shining in the darkness without denying the reality of darkness and overvaluing the virtues of light. That is, I believe there is a kind of light that burns within us, a kind of heart light, if you will, lit there by the light of the world. The darkness does not, cannot overcome it, but it also does not do away with the darkness. In this season of Advent, reminded today that this is a, we're moving toward the winter solstice and the shortest day of the year. This season of Advent, might we consider with wonder the mystery and the beauty of darkness. In her beautiful little book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, Barbara Brown Taylor invites us to walk in the darkness, to embrace it, to relish, in a way, in the experience of it, while at the same time Isaiah invites us to walk in the light. I wonder if these walks aren't, I wonder if they really are so different, especially if this light of God illuminates the way, whether we walk in sunshine or in shadow. A blind child may never literally see the light of day, but she can know the light of God. That's what I took from those children who sang with us that day. They didn't have to be sighted to walk in the light of God. We don't have to be free of all our troubles to walk in the light of God. When Isaiah says, oh, people, come, let us walk in the light of the Holy One, he's not talking about crossing to the sunny side of the street. He's talking about a heart discipline that serves in sunlight and in shadow, something that's learned with time and experience and the desire to know beyond the obvious. See, a heart discipline or spiritual practice is a tool, a resource we cultivate for the journey, wherever that journey may take us. Walking in the light of God is something deeper and more challenging than a stroll in the sunshine. It is really taking God into the center of our being, or rather letting God's Presence, which is already there, grow from our core outward, warming, enlightening, inspiring our whole being, heart, mind, body, and soul. Walking in the light of God is recognizing that regardless of circumstances, you are a child of God. It is seen with the eyes of the heart, the eyes of the soul that no matter what, God loves and desires only good for us. And when the road gets rough, oh, friends, when the road gets rough, God goes with us all the way.
here we encounter the audacity of hope. It comes around with increasing frequencies these days, doesn't it? The audacity of hope. How in the world can we hold hope? As we struggle to make sense of the circumstances in our country, try to, uh, I'll just let it lie there. As we struggle to make sense of the circumstances in our country, and we look at so much difficulty, distress, and destruction in the world, it may be hard to hold hope. I get that. I have those days. This is where cultivating the heart discipline of walking in God's light may actually be life-saving, if not the very hope of the world. In today's words of preparation, Stacy Simpson Duke who is herself, by the way, engaged in a years, now going on several years, long struggle with cancer, breast cancer. Stacy helps us see how important it is to be linked to God in order to walk with God and work with God. She writes of today's ancient word, Isaiah, it's clear that we are not the ones who usher in this new era. It is God who brings it forth. Some would therefore say that Isaiah's call is not to action, but to hope, and it becomes a kind of static, stagnant hope that leads maybe nowhere. But she argues hope, hope in the end, is action. In itself, it's action with the power to overturn old assumptions and sad cynicism, to give new eyes and to heal our warring hearts. To hold hope deep within is to make a difference in our lives and to make a difference in the world we inhabit. To see with new eyes, to heal old wounds. This, friends, is the benefit of walking in the light of God. Imagine a world in which swords are beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, in which bombs are dismantled and the nuclear fuel used for good. A world in which nations do not lift up sword against nation, nor do they or we learn war anymore. We seem so far from that degree of enlightenment. Yet here is Isaiah centuries ago, in the middle of harsh, judgmental prophecy, which he is quite good at, if you read the rest of Isaiah, in the midst of this, prophesying against his people, Isaiah stops for a moment to hold a little hope, to light a candle for what could be, to be sure that his listeners know that whatever troubles lie ahead, there is always light, God's light, at the end of the tunnel. It is the stubborn audacity of hope that insists on its place even in the most difficult times and challenging situations. Again and again, Advent teaches us that a better day is coming that God's light is breaking into the world, that what seems so impossible may yet spring forth as God's new thing. Holding that hope that leads to action 
to making the glorious vision a reality on earth now, in, in, now and in the future. O oh, people of God, come, let us walk in the light of the Holy One. Amen.